Welcome to the Paw Print Pause, a weekly PD digest for Uvalde CISD teachers and friends. The purpose of this podcast is to bring attention to the topics that impact students the most through authentic experiences and lighthearted conversation. I'm your host, Blended Learning Specialist Natalie Adias. Welcome back, teacher leaders. I can't believe that we are already on episode nine of our first ever season of the Paw Print Pause. Today, we are going to be chatting about the topic of station rotation. And if you are thinking of just traditional stations, you're almost there. We have a lot to chat about, though, to talk about how the idea of station rotation really levels up the traditional stations or centers that we are used to. Um, we are going to be chatting just a little bit with my friend Rachel Homan, who is my colleague as well. Uh, she was a teacher at the high school back when I was a student there, and anyone that knows her knows that she is a math whiz. Um, she's been working with 7th through 12th grade as a specialist for uh, three years now, and she has 15 years of classroom experience. She's just a, she's a rock star, y'all. Um, I'm super excited to get her to chime in a little bit on this topic. Let's go. According to blendedlearning.com, station rotation is a blended learning model that allows students to rotate through stations on a fixed schedule, where at least one of the stations is an online learning station. In Chapter 9 of Blended Learning in Action, Dr. Catlin Tucker, y'all know she's my go-to girl, says that station rotation does exactly what the name suggests. She says students rotate through learning stations in the classroom. And at least one of them has to be online. She goes on to say that teachers with ample access to technology can design multiple learning stations using technology. She says teachers can use this model to create learning communities within a larger class setting, designing differentiated tasks to challenge various skill levels and spend more time working individually with students. It is more like the traditional stations or centers um, that we've seen in classrooms for years, but where I think we have to name the difference is that it is more personalized and strategic. In station rotation, students aren't just spending time rotating through all of the same stations together in a variety of activities. Catlin adds that students are moving through dynamic learning station activities that employ different learning modalities and allow for differentiation and individualization to improve comprehension, retention, and the student's ability to apply information. And what I love is that this sounds hard. Like anytime that I first introduced this to teachers, it sounds difficult. But what we've learned over time as we've participated in this first year of the BLGP is that it is doable because of the access to technology that we have. We have a one-to-one iPad environment here. Our students have multiple learning platforms that we can gather data from to strategize these stations. And I always tell teachers whenever they're worried about station rotation, like you really have to have a really good handle on DDI and understanding the data-driven instruction process in order to be able to apply station rotation effectively in your classroom. Like you have to know how to make decisions based on the data that you get from your programs like IXL, like you get from your Schoology assessments or from our unit assessments. You have to know how to make those decisions in order to really leverage the time that we get built into our day through station rotation. Teachers at Uvalde High School in the English department recently began implementing stations under the direction of consultant Kristen Henry, and I caught up with Rachel to find out what teachers had to say about how it's going. So I think one of the things that um, the teachers at the high school who have utilized stations uh, in some form or fashion, um, one of the uh, positives was that um, they were amazed by the amount of material that they could cover um, 
in the same amount of time it might have taken them to do just one or uh, two lessons. So that was a great thing to hear. Um, another thing is it provided them the opportunity to have those uh, individualized or personal conferences with students um, while the other kiddos knew exactly where um, what they were to be working on or what their objective um, for that time was. That is so nice to hear because I feel like that's the thing that teachers love to do is connect with students. And it's the thing that teachers also say they don't have enough time to do because they're just teaching all the time. I know one of the high school teachers told me when she first started doing stations that she felt like she wasn't doing enough because the students were doing all of the work. And I told her, when you find yourself feeling like you're not doing enough, look for an opportunity to connect with a student. Even better, you can make a connection with a student that is based on data. You know, look at how have they done on recent assignments? Have they missed a lot of school? Find reasons to connect with them that will help them improve or connect with them to give them some great feedback on something that you've collected from them recently. I think that station rotation will provide uh, the students an opportunity to have uh, more ownership or more um, involvement in their learning. And I think that uh, the ownership gives them more connection um, to their learning. It gives them a purpose. Um, they understand why they're working on whatever it might be that they're working on at that time. Rachel, I think you nailed it. You just spoke to the most valuable part of blended learning, which is student agency. Strategic station rotation with plenty of opportunities for personal conferences with students makes the learning process meaningful for the student and gives them the ownership that teachers have been trying to get them to have for years. Uh, it's about managing time. It's about making sure that each student gets exactly what he or she needs. And having good classroom management is also a crucial foundation for getting effective station rotation working in your classroom. So if students don't understand a teacher's expectations, norms, and processes, it's going to be really, really hard. So like for UHS teachers that have started with whole class stations, they've got a really good foundation for the potential that station rotation could have in their classrooms. Right. So the stations that they're implementing are based on data, but it's based on more of um, data as a whole class. And so I think that um, it's a great first step into using the stations um, at the secondary level. And then next year, utilizing um, the IXL will help them um, have a more focused or individualized path uh, for the students. And then more of the station rotation, the individualized learning. So I think that um, with the high school having the oppor opportunity to utilize uh, IXL next year for reading and math will help to provide that individualized data for the students. Um, it'll be on a real-time reporting. Um, teachers won't have to wait until um, the end of the unit or until a benchmark, they'll have that individualized data um, readily available to them for all the students in their classes. Absolutely. And I think that that's the real power that we get from IXL and the leg up that we get on creating a true personalized learning experience for our students through station rotation. Gone are the days where we had to be reactive with our DDI. I like to call what we are doing through the BLGP and Uvalde proactive DDI. We get real-time data on student progress and mastery that helps teachers make pivotal decisions in a timely manner about how to make sure students learn what they need to before we get to the summative assessment. I'm so glad that Rachel got to join me today and give her input on station rotation. I always enjoy 
when I get to bring someone along to keep me from talking to myself uh, for 20 minutes or whatever. And Rachel is just such a great mentor and sounding board to be my daily job. Before we wrap it up today, I am going to give you guys 10 tips uh, from Catlin Tucker. She put these out in September of 2018 and they are still applicable today. There are 10 tips for using the station rotation model for teachers. So the first tip that Catlin offers is use your teacher-led station for a range of activities beyond direct instruction. The teacher-led station, y'all, is the backbone of the station rotation model, but you can use this station for anything. You can use it to model a process, provide real-time feedback, conference with students, lead a small group discussion or lesson. You can create time for Q&A sessions related to your work. All of these are suggestions from Catlin that I think are wonderful for leveraging this station. The second suggestion she offers is switch up your groups. Sticking students in skill level groups and leaving them there for an extended period of time can be detrimental to their confidence as learners. So she says she understands that it's easier to support kids who are all at the same academic level, but it isn't always what's best for learners. She also offers some more suggestions for grouping strategies, and you'll be able to get that link from the description of this episode. Her third suggestion is decide on a strategy for transitions. You guys know that your students can take forever to transition from one station to another. That's why I talked about the foundation of classroom management before. So she recommends that you always explicitly teach your students how to transition. Um, And she says it's especially even true for secondary students. So she says she has her kids organize materials, stand by their chair. Like you've got to lay it all out for them. Don't assume that they know how to rotate just because they're 14, y'all. You've got to make sure to be clear with them. Her fourth tip is project a timer onto your board so students can keep track of the time as they work. Uh, She offered a suggestion for an online one. I know a lot of teachers that utilize classroom screen. Um, Those of you that have ViewSonics, that's super easy. But even if you don't, just project it up there um, and it just makes it really easy. Uh, Another suggestion that I've seen her offer before, not in this list, but she's offered before is teach your students that the teacher-led station is where they get their feedback. So don't allow them to come and speak to you when they're not at your small group station, your teacher-led small group. It's really important because it it puts value in the time that they get to spend with you. They make sure to utilize it appropriately and it teaches them to respect the time that others have with you. Um, Her fifth tip is to make sure students have very clear directions. So make sure that you write them out. It does take time. I do have some resources already um, created in the BLGP resource folder that I will link in this description also that kind of just has like the rules for each of your station. So you could kind of customize them to your classroom. These are just templates, y'all, and you can utilize them however you like. Her sixth tip is to print paper directions in plastic covers for offline stations and create online directions for online work. If students don't need a device at a station, she says that she always prints offline directions so the devices do not become a distraction. I think that's a great tip. Uh, She says if students are completing work online, she creates a Google Doc with step-by-step instructions, links, screenshots, such and such, which you guys have gotten comfortable with, I think. Her seventh tip is to have a strategy ready for kids who are having an off day or distract their peers. This can be as simple as allocating some desks alongside a wall or near your teacher-led station where a student can work in isolation if they're struggling to stay on task or are distracting their peers from the work at a station. Her eighth tip is to put a next steps protocol in place so students know what they could do if they are done early. She says you can create a simple list on a board of items kids can complete if they pace through the work more quickly than their peers. For example, she says... Her next steps list always reminds them to turn in any work at a previous station that they did not get a chance to complete. She also includes items like log into, she uses vocabulary.com or read and annotate to page whatever in your digital notebook. 
So she says this sort of eliminates the question of what do we do if we finish early and it keeps students from having to come and pull you away from the instruction that you're providing at your teacher-led station. Um, some other suggestions I would say is have students use the IXL real-time diagnostic student action plan. That's a great place to direct your students. Um, you might even hold them accountable for that by giving them a reflection or something. Her ninth tip says, give yourself permission not to grade everything kids do in stations. OMG, yes. <laughs> she says, if you feel pressured to put points on every paper or grade everything kids do in stations, you will not use this model for very long. She says she's become extremely selective about what she provides feedback on and grades. She says if she provides feedback, it is because kids are going to use that feedback to improve their work. So she says if she grades something, it is an assessment. A lot of the work that her students do in station rotation lessons is practice or preparation for an assessment. So she doesn't grade practice. I think that is a great tip. And the 10th tip that she offers is mix it up. She says variety is the spice of life. So don't let your stations become stagnant. Make sure you try a variety of strategies and technology tools in your different stations. This is more likely to keep kids excited and engaged. Well, you just got 10 tips of the week, so I'm going to move on to our quote of the week, and this one comes from John Hattie. It really comes down to not who teachers are, not what they do, but how they think. And if they think primarily that their job is to evaluate their impact, all the good things follow. Oh, we are so close to the end of the most trying year in education in quite some time. This year has been full of so many trials and obstacles, but you all have resiliently overcome them all. We have just one more episode left this season before we take a break, and we won't be back until the 21-22 school year in August. For our final episode of season one, I am going to chat with the newest member of the Blended UCISD team, Margaret Tarski-Rodriguez, and we will cover the topic of EdTech tools and how to leverage them to reach all learners. As always, please be sure to tweet out your responses to this week's episode using the hashtag pawprintpause, and be sure to tag and follow us at at BlendedUCISD and at NatAdiasTX. Have a great weekend, and please be sure to get some rest. See y'all soon.